The views, information or opinions expressed today are solely the views of the individuals involved, including today's guests and does not represent absolute facts and should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. Such views are the views of individuals and do not represent the official opinion of the International OCD Foundation. I mean, you know me, I'm passionate about right. our guys. Um, like, you know, we could lose a game. I'll take all the hits from the media, anyone right. else. Like, you know, there are, my players never had to worry about that. No, yeah, I'll take all those hits. Give me, give me all of them, you know. But I really am passionate about our players and passionate about them improving and passionate about them learning. <laughs> Welcome to episode 10 of the Smalls Talk Podcast. We have a, a familiar a familiar face for me, a, a good friend and mentor, Jamie and Christian. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Hey, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of all my guys, including you. And so a chance to get on here and and, and talk about, you know, whatever uh, is, a, is a great day. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So, you know, for listeners that, you know, may not know, so I, I worked for Jamie and, uh, as a student manager um, for Siena men's basketball was before I got into the, the, the performance uh, realm and uh, strength and conditioning. Um, and I can confidently say that, that Jamie and um, the way I saw him lead was, was, was super special and um, something that I carry with myself today and, and the qualities that I saw him, um, you know, put out into, into the universe and, and to people that, you know, he had just met and, and, the way he connected a team was, was super special. Um, so we'll dive into that, but, um, give me a little bit of background, kind of where you're at now. Obviously you've been a, a championship level division one basketball coach. Um, you know, kind of on a hiatus from that right now, I want to kind of hear, you know, what you're doing to, to still have those leadership qualities in the world. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I was a championship head coach, 10 years in the business, one of the youngest head coaches in the history of college basketball at 29 years old, NCAA tournament by 31, uh, ESPN top 40 head coach several times before I was 40 years old. So, I mean, you know, life kind of throws some curveballs at you sometimes and you just have to learn how to ride with them. I mean, you know me really well. So, you know, I kind of take every experience and try to find the positives and the thing I need to learn from each experience. You know, last March was an interesting time. You know, I got fired on March 14th. Um, so I'm now a former Division One head coach, but I'm always a champion. And I get a chance now to build this podcast, Last Call with Jamie and Christian with Speakeasy for Sport. And, you know, it's got over 20,000 listeners already, and, and it's growing every day. It's a top 10 podcast in the country via, Spot via Spotify and another other podcast institutions. So it's great. You know, I'm having a chance to kind of share my voice in a different way and to impact a lot of different people. And um, it's been a lot of fun to do it. You know, I, I'll tell you this, Smalls. Can I call you Smalls? You can call me Smalls on here. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting. And I think it's really important for people to understand, like, you know, for me, I'm like this person who just loves to learn. I love to try to find out more information. I just have a real passion for learning. And I think who you are as a person really reveals itself when adversity hits. And obviously on March 14th, we were fired. You know, we felt like we were turning the program around. We had a tough build when we took over the job. We understood that, but we didn't get it done at the level we needed to. And 
And so that day happens and it's sort of like, how are you going to respond? You know? And I, I decided that day, you know, that day they, you know, you get fired, you go in, they fire you, they have HR in there and right. you know, you get, you get six hours to move out of your office. And, and so, you know, you move out of the office. I remember when I closed that door, I just thought, you know, I'm going to use this to get better. And, you know, I was really close to being one of the top coaches in this game and, and I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to get right back there. And it really started that day. I closed that door. I'm going to dive into this deep process of trying to learn how to become better, being really honest with myself of what went well mm-hmm. and what went terribly wrong. And For I think sure. it'll be something that's going to give me a ton of strength moving out, moving forward. And that's why I'm in a great place right now. Right. Because I feel like I've added another chapter to my story. That's going to be to help impact others. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, the, the important thing to remember is one, the business is that's the business, right? It, it's, it's all production based. And, and, and if, if they think it's, it's in their hands all the time. And so, um, you know, they might not give you the, the time you need to turn around a program that has been in, you know, the rock bottom for so long. And, yeah. um, I, you know, obviously I followed you guys after you left Siena and I thought you guys were turning the, the corner and it's a shame they didn't give you more time, but I think, um, the journey so far from over from you, right. It's, that's like just another chapter in the journey. Yeah. I think learning, learning how to accept the things that you can't control and radically accepting the things you can control. I, I think, I think it's really important. You know, when you go through a tough situation, you know, it's about being able to accept the truth, the truth within that situation. And then you can kind of go and learn and improve from there. Uh, again, you know, I, I kind of use this, you know, me, I'm a big analogy guy. So you'll probably mm. get you know, 20 different analogies in the course of this <laughs> recording. But, you know, I really felt like I was a guy who climbed to a certain height of the mountain and I climbed up above a few sets of clouds and I have a great perspective on looking down and right. seeing where I am and the things that we did well and the things we didn't do well. But now, you know, there's still much more of the mountain left for me to climb. Mm-hmm. And now I'm armed with, again, successes, but I'm also armed. I think it's really important with the honesty of what I can get better at mm-hmm. and being able to be a learned individual I just said this this next year, however long it's going to be until I have a chance to lead another program, I'm going to learn everything I need to learn so I can go and be the very best. And I truly believe this is going to be such a transformative time in my lifetime because not many people get a chance to do that. No. You're sort of running this race. Of you're getting th- to the top and you keep going. Oh, and you and and you're 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 missing some learning opportunities as mm-hmm. you maybe getting lucky in some other ways. But man, I got hit with a with a with a big bucket of cold water and a right. chip to really have a chance to transform my career right now. I'm excited about all the stuff that I've been learning. And so that's what I've been really diving into over the last, over the last four or five months so far. No, it's, it's, it's been awesome. Kind of, you know, you put so much in, you always have to, to your, the team and the, and the organization you're a part of. So it's kind of awesome to see you kind of step back and, and work on your own self-development um, for in a, in a sense, which I, yeah. which I love I admire. And I, I, I've loved seeing the, um, you know, that transformative process that you're talking about. I yeah. think um, another thing is that you're going to still have a chance to impact so many lives and now you're just impacting lives in a different way. And I think um, a lot of people, you know, worry about how they're going to impact lives, but you got to kind of, like you said, roll with the punches and, and, and roll with the adversity and kind of, understand that, you know, this is life telling you you're going to impact lives in a, in a different setting. Yeah. You know, and when you're in, you know, one of the, one of the great things about how, how well you and I interact and, and all the guys, you know, I've got over 130 former players now over 10 years of guys that I've just been with for a really long time. You know, the life of a leader is not making the choice that you want to do all the time. Mm-hmm. It's about impacting, you know, making a decision that impacts most right. uh, the people that you lead. 
So it's been a great time to be able to kind of dive into that. You know what I mean? You know, you, you know, you go for 10 years. I took over three rebuilding programs in a row. Right. We rebuilt them. Every team won more games in my first year there. They did the last year. Every right. team had really good play. I had all conference players when I left there and they didn't have any when I got there. So I'm really, really happy about this point in my career. And now again, you know, you just talk about having a chance to learn and learn and learn. And, and, you know, I, I just think, I mean, I really feel like I'm in such a great place and, um, you know, I think most people, I talk to a lot of people around the country, a lot of coaches that were out of it and, and these guys are really struggling, you yeah. know, and I just think the mindset of it is so important. And when, when the adversity hits you, you know, really getting back to your values of who you are as a person and, and not allowing, you know, in coaching, it can be, it'd be easy, right? You turn on the media, you turn on Twitter and right. they can see all these things about you. But you know, I had a great player for me named Bobby, Bobby Plunas, who played for me, who's now still playing actually at the 24, 25 years old. He's still playing at IPFW. And he just said, you know, coach, you know, no one on the outside will ever know how much you love us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just, I, I've always really leaned on that little bit of information there. It's like, you know, no one's going to outside is going to know how much you care and how much you love. And they're only going to judge you off how many wins and how many right. losses you have. And right. and that's understandable. You know, I don't hide away from the wins and the losses because I've won a lot of games in my career too. Yeah. I was about um, to say, I mean, <laughs> the record that, you know, I've, and obviously your record, I would also go to say doesn't really paint the whole picture because when you were at the Mount, you're, you're playing by games against power five teams to, to, you know, bring in revenue. And that's, that's how college basketball works. So understand when you, you look at coach Christian's resume, if you look at the in-league resumes of each league, yeah. it's very elite. It's, you know, when you had to play power five schools, you know, you had to pay, you played a lot of those games at the Mount. Yeah. There's about 70 games in there, which is a lot of games <laughs> That's a lot um, that kept the lights on that rebuilt yeah. gyms that, that gave our players um, some things that they didn't have before. And, and I think that's really important. And, you know, good ADs will look at that and they'll, know, they'll recognize that. They'll right, understand right, that. And the absolutely. ones that are just, you know, on the surface, they won't look at it and recognize it. But, you know, again, I think it's so much more. Like I got, I got a lot of wins on the record, but I think it's so much more about the number of people I've had a chance to impact. And now, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting a chance now watching my former guys go and impact others like yourself. And that's right. what's really special is that when you can give something that they can go and give to other people, that's a force that's so powerful within the world. And we just need more opportunities to give and to share. And that's why I'm so proud of you and proud of your teammate, proud of the Appreciate guys you worked with. And, and uh, cause yeah. that's now the phase that we're in is giving right. a chance to give to others. Right. And I think that's a good segue. You know, you know, a, a lot of this episode is talking about what, how it's, it's more than wins and losses um, because, you know, I've met so many, co- I've worked with so many coaches as a strength coach, as, as so many different sport coaches worked with so many different teams now in the college setting. And then, you know, now in, at a head strength coach at a private facility, um, just trying to show people that like, yeah, wins and losses, obviously, you know, that's the name of the game. They're, they're getting paid to do that, but how many lives did you impact along the way? And, and it goes so much deeper than that. Just like my job is so much deeper than how many reps and sets you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. I had an athlete, um, this week that texted me and said, Hey, I have a question. I said, I have an answer hopefully. And, (laughs) Um, he said, it's not about lifting. And I said, it doesn't always have to be about lifting. What, what is it? And he's like, you do a lot of anxiety stuff. He called it. Right. And I said, yeah, I do a lot of, I dabble. (laughs) I do a lot of (laughs) mental health advocacy work. And he just wanted strategies for, um, you know, how he gets inside his, his head too much in pregame warmups and feels too much pressure. And is, he was just looking for strategies for performance anxiety. And so like the fact that that athlete, you know, 17 years old came to me. Uh, instead of, you know, going to his sport coach or whatever it is, his friends, like, 
means so much to me. It means I've had that impact of not just teaching them how to to train properly and and prioritize their performance and their recovery, but prioritize um, knowing that I'm here for them too. And and I'm here in a a different capacity as well. Yeah. The coaching thing is so interesting because there's so many lessons that you're going to have a chance to share and teach that they met. They're going to pick up, you know, the, the, the student appear, the the teacher appears and the student is ready. Mm. And so, you, you know, it's always about like you're teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching and you may feel like you're not getting anywhere with them, but eventually it, it, it always clicks and you don't know when it's going to happen. But when it does, it's always a really powerful moment. And they always look back on the person who taught them that skill. Yeah, and and so I think that's really important for you to always understand. I always try to try to remember that. You know, I mean, you probably remember, you know, how we were with Manny Camper, right? I, mean, I was I was so hard on Manny Camper, but and I loved him a lot. So I mean, it wasn't like it was one of those things. Right. Where it was a it was a mutual love and appreciation. Right. But I was like, I think you can be the best player in this league. I'd be in film sessions screaming at him. You can be the best player in this league. And we had the other best player in the league, Jalen Pickett. <laughs> yeah, on the other side. Right. And we had Don Carey yeah. uh, in the room as well. So, yeah. you know, it's just that kind of human belief that you have where you're teaching and teaching and teaching and trying to build mindset on someone that maybe they can't see it right now in the moment or maybe they're not ready to accept it. But just keep preaching that good gospel mm. to them. And eventually they're going to raise and they're going to be able to, to reach that point where you, where you believe they can get to hundred percent. It, it's funny. And Manny actually was player of the year uh, <laughs> in the Mac. So you were right. Right. But you instilled you, but over time you instilled that belief in him. Right. I mean, I remember when he came in as a freshman and one of the assistants told him that he hasn't done jack shit at the school. And, <laughs> and then, you know, you flash forward four years later after he's had coaches that care about him. And, and, and believe in him and show that belief. And now he's the Mac player of the year. And, and obviously it's also a testament to his hard work too. I mean, that, that dude was in the gym more than I, at anybody I think I've ever been around. So I I remember we get there and, you know, we got there, I think I want to say it was a little bit late. Yeah. Yeah. It was only like two weeks left of school when we got there. Um, and we're sort of, you know, we're, we're, you're trying to evaluate the team. And I think that's what you have. Yeah. You know, we didn't, you know, we wanted to know like, all right, who do we have? What do we need to add? And we really didn't have a clear view of it. Um, and, and you're, and some of that is, um, how people process information and how they play and perform because the stat sheet isn't always indicative to how good a player is or isn't. Right. Because also it's different systems, different coaching styles. Yeah. All these different things. And players mature a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was watching Manny and he was a guy that, you know, he, I think he only averaged like two points a game the year before he played the five or something. And so we're just sort of watching and we're thinking, man, like I remember watching him. I remember coming back to the office one day and goes, I don't know, guys. I think Manny Camper's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I think we should try to fight to keep him here. And we kind of had a debate in in the in you know in the office about it. And I just said, you know, I think he's pretty good. And you know, he he you talk about how hard he worked. You know, it's really rare to find an athlete that works tirelessly who's also a great dude. Mm-hmm. You, you know, mm-hmm. that those are some components that are really hard to find. Yeah. You know, usually, you know, not usually, but a lot of times the hardest worker is a guy that alienates the team. Right. Some right. some regard or, you know, acts, you know, because they work so hard, they act like they're, they're privileged to, to, more, right. to more. Right. Right. But Manny was never that way. And, you know, he worked his he worked extremely hard. Um, but then he just was like also a guy that everybody wanted to see do well. And right. that's what really kind of made those Siena teams work, even mm. even past the year when I was there. Right, right. They just had a great camaraderie, and yeah. and I do think Carm did a great job of 
building yeah. on what we what we had built in the first season. For sure. And now he's obviously done a great job of taking it, you know, to even to another level. Right, right. Uh that's you know, that's definitely something I want to talk about. So, you know, you got to Siena um eight and twenty-four the year before, historically bad season for Siena basketball. Yeah. Um and you have a group of people that confidence is at an all-time low, I'd say. Just the, the aura in the in the in the locker room, the 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 morale is just completely down, a lot of uncertainty. People are leaving, people are staying, they don't know what their role is gonna be, right? How do you and and you know, you flash forward to what you did, you know, I yeah. think was 17 and 14. I think we got right? to 18. So I think 18, we had a 10 18, game turnaround. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'd argue that we were better than the team that that we were actually more connected and better than the team that won that that MAC championship that year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the the consecutive days just can burn you out in the in yeah. the MAC tournament. But I'd argue we were we were a very good team. And how do you take those individuals and then you know in a late recruiting period too find the right individuals in a late recruiting period to add into that that group? and then gel them together like you did. Yeah, you know, I mean, a, a lot of credit to the group. You know, we had some older guys in the roster. And the one thing, if you go to a place like Siena, you're going there because you want to win championships, you want to win big and play in front of the biggest crowds. And I always felt like that about Siena guys is like they, they rise to the occasion pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, you choose Siena because you want to rise to the occasion, you want to be right. in the biggest environments. So I always felt that, you know, I felt like coming in really confident as a staff, um, that we had the guys there. I thought that really rubbed off on the team as well. Um, yeah, that, you know, it, it's basketball. It's five guys on the floor and the most connected team wins. You know, talent is important, but it's not everything. I mean, the difference between talent between one team to another is very small and it's just about right. being connected. Um, I think the first thing we wanted to do is just come in and just assess the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say that I, got, I, I didn't do a great job of that when I got to GW. Like, I did a great job of that when I got to the Mallet. I did a great job of that when I was at Siena. And I did not right. do a great job of that when I got to GW. And, you know, we got to, we got to Siena. And, you know, the first thing most coaches do, I think we had lost the top eight scores off the team, had either graduated or left. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so we got there. And, and the first thing we always do is just like this assessment process, which I'm really a big believer in. And because I, I feel like there's so much value in finding players on the roster that can, that, that have been underperforming that like, it's almost like you get like double, double the win total, you know, right. when a guy has really been through some adversity. So I never want to come into a situation and just be like, Hey, these are my guys who are rolling it. Um, this is yeah. what we're going to do. Um, so we kind of assess it and, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting process. You were a part of it. Probably didn't realize you were a part of it. You know, we brought you in the first week and we talked to everybody that's associated with the program about everybody that's on the team and, you know, just get as much information as we can about the core of the group and what some of the issues are. And then, you know, and, and, and you really just open, you enter this process with a real open mind. Right. Um, and, and it's really served me well at, at all our spots. And again, I did not hold true to that process when I got to GW, but I held true to it at CNN Mount St. Mary's. And what's interesting is you get a great understanding of the team. Um, when everybody has to talk about everybody, you can tell, all right, these guys are friends. These guys are not friends. You know, these guys are going to resist leadership. These guys are hungry for it. We should maybe connect these groups together because they're actually closer than what they think. And, right. you know, so we, you know, we really do this huge assessment and then we basically come back six weeks later and we ask the same questions again and just try to see if the group's been able to move forward. Right. So that's the first step of it. You know, the basketball piece is you know, looking at the style of play and what kind of stuff we can do to enhance ability. You know, I, I think I don't want to say every basketball coaching. I only want to say most coaches can do that, but right. we could do that. 
You know, we right. had the ability and agility enough as a staff. And I've prided myself on being an agile head coach where we can change style of play to fit the guys on the team Correct. and go and attack it. So, but I thought that assessment of everybody that touches the program is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know, you know, you want to know who the team protects, who's the team's, who's the, who the team's afraid of, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see who is impressionable. Like these are all things that you really want to know before you make any decisions. Right, you know, like right. if you, if you release a player that everybody loves, you know, that might cause you to lose two or three other guys and just not, right. not to have confidence in you. Right. So you just want to know this kind of information before you get in. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I made at GW was when I, when I, when I accepted the job, you know, I kind of talked to a bunch of people and there were a couple guys that were like, man, these guys shouldn't be here. And so before I even got to GW, we basically told them we weren't going to renew them for the following year. Right. And I thought it was a hor- like, that was a horrible mistake. Hey, that's not really me. Right. Um, but it was a horrible mistake because now I don't know if those guys could play at that level or not. Right. right. I, I would say maybe not. Right. And that's easy to see, but to not give someone that opportunity to right. come in and show what they can do or to spend some time. And I just feel like that was a horrible mistake that I made and just kind of taking the advice of people around the program and in the program. And instead of just coming in and just believing this process of assessment and just listening to them, maybe they would have got the three weeks in and been like, man, this isn't for me, you know, like, and maybe right. maybe we would have just had a commonality with it. But what that did, and I'll tell you what I, what that did was, and I didn't do this with you guys. It created a fear within the group that mm. you could be cut without even knowing. And that's really dangerous when you work with people, right? And all people right. want a level of fairness and to have mm. fairness, you have to have understanding. And, you know, maybe those guys understood, you know, maybe they're like, Oh, these guys are great players or not, whatever, you know, players don't have that same thought process as a coach, but, Right. really set fear into the group yeah, and that definitely. really hurt our ability to gain trust because you know i'm coming you know me i'm coming in like hey like patting you on the back believing in you right and, and that was just a contradictory move right to that and so when you have that it makes people say well, can i trust this guy right I think well, eventually well they see your gen your your genuineness right and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait is that right. real genuine or is that fake genuine Right. He can cut me right. in, a, in a moment's notice. And, right. Right. And I, and I felt like that was just a mistake that I made. I'll never make that mistake again. I just don't, this wasn't like, wasn't, wasn't a smart move by, by me. Um, and I'm not proud of that. You know, it's one of the things I look back most like, ah, you know, that probably wasn't a good one. No, um, well, I, I mean, I appreciate you and your honesty of, of, of that adversity and, and, and your self reflection is impressive. And I think um, a lot of our listeners can learn about, you know, self-reflection and adversity from this episode, because I think you do it really well. And I think, um, you know, the self-awareness is really, is really uh, stands out to me. What's up? It's your host, Tom Smalley. You're listening to the Smalls Talk podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe. You know, what happens is Smalls, I think this is really important for our listeners Anytime there's a change in leadership, mm. people develop calluses to protect themselves. You know, mm. like the way the brain works, the brain is 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 trying to give you all these scenarios about how things. Your brain's trying to protect you, right? So it's giving you all these different scenarios on, you know, how things can go wrong, right? And, instead of being able to say, let's be open minded and let's li-, like you got to practice that to come right. in. You're almost justifying the what ifs. Yeah, you're justifying it going the wrong direction so it doesn't right. hurt as much because the brain doesn't know a loss of life versus a loss of job or a loss of opportunity 
it affects it the same way. Same chemicals are right. kicking off. And so when you get in those meetings, you recognize, you know, I just, I mean, this group has a lot of calluses up. You know, they've got a lot oh, of, you know, they, they, they've routed. Now, it was interesting. They were closer together because of what they had been through 100%. and worked through. Transitioning back to your first stop, um, you know, obviously you were hired youngest head coach, you know, 29 years old. I mean, what was that like coming into a locker room where you might be seven years, <laughs> six years older than some of the guys? And then also um, the assistants that you hired, yeah. you know, that, that were around you. What was it like kind of being younger than them, maybe? Mm -hmm. And then, um, I mean, obviously we see it in the NBA a lot, right? Like Brad Stevens was hired. Kevin Garnett was literally older than him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's common now. But um, what was that like kind of ha building that, uh, you know, caliber roster and, and staff around you that didn't hold it against you, you know, because of your age? Yeah, you know, I, I always just try to use use who I am. I mean, I'm a pretty confident person. I've been that way through through my lifetime. You know, my confidence comes from being super prepared. Yep. You know, I feel like every and, and I, I say this, I probably said this to you, you know, and this is one of my things is, you know, I feel like everything that's happened to me in my life has put us in this position to where we are today. Mm hmm. And you got to trust that that's giving you the ability to make the right decisions. And they give you the job because you have the ability to figure it out. Right. There are very few days that you walk in and it goes right down your checklist. You know, right. there's very few days that happen. Things are going to come up and you're going to need to lean on your experiences that you've had through the years, you know, even not as a coach, as a player, as a person who's developing, a person who's learning, you know, to be able to help the problems of today. Right. And so walking in there at 29, you know, I played there. So I knew that I knew the building. I knew the place. Right. Um, and for the players, it's like, I'm going to be me. Like I'm high energy. I'm, you know, you, you remember I'd seen, I'm on the floor with them. I'm, right. I'm, I'm practicing, yeah. you know, someone tried to say, man, you're 40. You, know, you, you can't be out there on the floor. I'm, I'm out there on the floor. You know, I'm showing you how to run the pick and roll and how to make the pass. And, and I'm defending, you yeah. know, and, and that might not be a normal head coach thing. But so at 29, you know, I was getting out there on the floor with them a ton. And yeah. I think a big part of the game is trying to teach players how to, how to respond, how to react and how to handle yourself. And there's no better way to do that than to be able to step out there and be able to do that yourself. So I, I tried to lean on that. And I'm a highly disciplined person, so I want to get our discipline at the right level, how we're going to operate every single day, how we're going to communicate with one another. Um, but I just kind of jumped ahead. You know, I was a captain at the Mount for three years. Right. Starting as a sophomore. And, um, you know, I, I've always I've been I'm the oldest in my family by a good bit. So I've like learned these kind of these leadership skills that I've always constantly led on. I didn't focus on the fact that I was 29. I focused on the fact that I had 15 guys in that locker room that I felt like could be champions. And I wanted to try to show them the way to be able to do that. And then you just kind of put together a plan and go and attack it. Um, it's, it's interesting because when you think about it, yeah, I was, only, I was seven years older than a couple of those guys, six years older than a couple of them. Um, but I could speak their language. And I've always been able right. to to kind of dive into different cultures and, and communicate. And for sure. I think that's been a big, you know, whether a guy is a wealthy guy or a guy who's mm -hmm. trying to figure it out from the bottom, like I've always been able to have, be able to communicate with, with both groups and all groups. Right. And so you just lean on your, on your strengths. And, you know, I think a lot of people, they jump into leadership, they're trying to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. I was never worried about being somebody else. I was only worried about being myself. And, and I feel like when I'm able to do that, I'm able to lead. Um, that's the way I, I lead best. And so jumping in at 29, um, it's a great number, um, and, and it's a great number because it's so young, and it kind of speaks to a level of expertise or or vision that I had when I was at a younger age. But then you got to go and you got to put it all together. And and I was really fortunate. We went nine game turnaround that first year there, NCAA tournament the second year. You know, so we we've had some success just being who we are and, and trying to lean on that.
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, another thing is that they hired you to be you, right? I mean, I think um, I agree with that, the, the sentiment that people are always trying to be another type of leader that they've seen elsewhere, when in reality, that the place that hired you, whether it's, you know, a, a school, a t uh, an organization, or, a, a, you know, a commercial business, whatever it is, if you're in a director position, they hired you because they believe in what you bring to the table. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think that's what's interesting. I think they should hire you to be you, you know, and they should hire you to do things that you can do best. And, you know, I know my next opportunity, I'm going to make sure I'm surrounded by people that are bought into who I, all, all parts of me, good and bad. And, right. And, and can understand it. You know, as you get to a point you can succeed, people hire the idea of you. And which, which is not bad. You get a good, get a couple good opportunities yeah. for that. It gets you a check and you get an opportunity. Right. <laughs> but I want to be, I want to be surrounded by people that share the same vision of how we can build a, a championship level program every single day and, and how we can build a championship level program that has longevity. You know, one of the things right. I'm most proud about smalls is like Mount St. Mary's NCAA tournament the second year after I was gone with a ton of guys that we, that we had, that, that were, that stayed and, and battled, right. and, you know, and they, they were one of the better teams in NEC over the next three years. Sienna has done the same thing, been able right. to turn the corner there. I'm really proud of that. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, it's that, you know, leaving a place better than you found it, man. And, and, you know, we talk so much about that and, and, yeah. and that's, that's what everything's about. And, you know, I would always say, you may probably remember me saying this to the guys, like someday there's gonna be someone else sitting behind this desk, right? You know, and his job is going to be the same. And the only question is, did you, did you do your job while you were there and leave it better than when you found it? And right. you know, I, I'm really proud that I feel like we've done that every place we've been. I mean, the number yeah. of all conference players that we've recruited in the last 10 years and guys who are, who are on the draft list now in the last, you know, this right. year, like I'm really excited about what we've been able to do. Um, you know, and again, some, sometimes in leadership, actually, I think I quoted this the other day, you know, a lot of times in leadership, you're not going to get to see the fruits of your of your work. So true. And so that's true. just sort of part of it. You know, you're going to do a great job with a young athlete that's going to come in there now and you're going to teach them the foundation of how to lift and the mindset right. to do it. And then they're going to go to college yeah. and they're going to take a big jump because they've already had the foundation of it. You know, when you're rebuilding a program, you're building a foundation of excellence. Right. You're building a foundation of how you're going to handle wins, losses, adversity, happiness, sadness, all these emotions that you're building out. And I think sometimes people just try to mirror it down to wins and losses. And, mm. you know, a lot of times I take a younger player uh, and he's going to take a lot of bad shots in the first year and turn the ball over some that sophomore year. If he's got the right mindset and we have the right, we have the right offseason plan, he's going to really improve. You know, our guys routinely improve 20% in the offseason. Right. And, and I think that's a huge number. You know, we looked at those Sienna guys. We said, we can improve these guys 20%, which we, at that point we had done for six straight years. Right. So we weren't concerned about the group. We're like, we just got to improve. We just got to do our job, what we've always done. Let the 20% take over, get a little lucky with Sloan and Jalen Pickett, you know, with those yeah. guys coming in. Um, but we also had other guys that contributed like Jimmy Ratliff came in and had a huge game of Robert Morris. Right. George Darvich came in and had a, right. had a huge game or two. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys contributing to that. Right. Um, you know, that just improved through the course of the year. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, think, I think also like the, I mean, I have that resonate. The th thing that resonated with me the most is like, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, how many hours I spent at Siena in the gym and, and just all the work I put in between basketball and strength and conditioning department. And then, you know, you leave and, you know, I've seen so many of those teams have so much success and I wish I could have been a, a part of that, that success, but it's, it's the reality of things is that, you know, you, 
you put in the work to to get there and 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 get them started and, and build that foundation. But a lot of times you're not going to see it. Yeah, and you know, and the great thing is, like, you are part of it. You know, right, if you laid right. one brick to build the wall, you built the you built a part of the wall. You right, know? exactly. And yeah. if it, that wall doesn't stand without the one brick, you know, right, it's going right. to collapse. It's going to be weaker. It's going to, you know. So I think like when you lay the brick and you lay it the right way and you lay it as perfectly as you can lay it, and you know, I think there's so many good things in there and taking pride in your ability to, to really see the process of what it takes for some for a person to become the best they can because that's a long process. For sure. Um, you know, with the verse you've faced throughout your career, not just last March, but throughout, um, how has the stress level been and how have you coped with certain anxiety, uncertainty, obviously with college basketball, it's, um, kind of, uh, you know, uncertain business, right? I mean, if you're not, it's, you're always, you know, on it's, it's dependent on wins and losses. How has that kind of, you know, influenced your anxiety levels and what do you do to kind of cope with that anxiety? Uh, well, you know, I've always your, been... Except your pregame routine of, of, of a <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I've always been a big meditator. Uh, yeah. I'm really big on that meditation and journaling. And, you know, I think there's an ex- example that one of the best examples, you know, remember at Siena, we played Quinnipiac in a three overtime game. We played yep. 55 minutes yeah. and then we had Manhattan on Saturday, I think. Yep. Um, and it was like a short turnaround Thursday to Saturday. And you remember we did on that Friday? You, you remember we did on Friday for practice? No. So we brought him in and we meditated. We did oh, like a 30-minute right. deep meditation. Yeah. Right? And then we walked through Manhattan. Yeah, there, walked through there. there are, yeah, um, I do remember and, that. And so it was just so bizarre. I think we came yeah. in and got ready to practice and we had the mats out. And we're like, no, we're going to meditate for 20 minutes, really get ourselves centered. And and then and then go and we'll walk through Manhattan and, and we went out and played like great against Manhattan. We did, yeah. You know, and and so I use those kind of examples of like, you know, that's what I, that's what we've all got to do within our lifetime when things get really really uh, tough for us and they mm. get you know and anxiety kind of builds. You got to be able to build this system in place where where you can know what you need. You right. know, I do believe it's funny. My son is five months old. Um, and he's always, he's teething now and, yep. and I'm amazed at watching him know what he needs, mm-hmm. you know, now he might not have the capacity to go and get it now. Right. Like yeah. he's teething and his teething rings across the room. He's on the floor trying to figure out how to get there. Right. He can't crawl yet. So he's trying to figure it out, but he knows he needs that teething ring. And so I think the body has an incredible ability to know what you need, but then it's mm. just about having enough resource around you to be able to go and, and get that. Definitely. Um, and Definitely. so what I've tried to do, I've added a mental skills coach, which I think has been really helpful for me. Yeah. As a person I can kind of talk through some things, especially the last few years. You know, mm-hmm. last last three years were really tough. I mean, we basically yeah. got 31 months with our team. Right. And you take out all the COVID pauses for right. the three years, right? Yeah, so, you took over at a really, really tough time. Right. Like, you know, we had a full year and then they didn't even have the NCAA tournament for my first year there. Right. And um, the recruiting, the recruiting cycle, I mean, is is all oh, screwed up. It, it was all over the place, right? Yeah. And so that was a really tough time. You know, for me, the COVID situation and, and everyone's no, for me, it was like a really, really tough situation because I am a person who deeply cares for our players. Right. I wanted no one to get COVID. We didn't know what the long-term effects of this thing were. We didn't have vaccines at, at that point. Um, you know, myself struggled with that. I mean, I didn't leave the house for three weeks um, after, after COVID, after they kind of shut everything down for COVID because right. and there's some levels of me where I'm like a germaphobe. I can be a germaphobe. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I really struggled with having to play a game when so many people are losing their lives, losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And now we're bringing players back from their families 
to to play basketball right you know right. and and look i love basketball but, but like let's be honest i mean it's a i love my players i love their lives more than that right you know and so you know that was a really tough time and then we kind of go and we're playing and then we're in washington dc we're two blocks from the white house and we have all that social unrest right you know our campus got locked down six times over over that year because of protests now everyone knows about the insurrection and everyone right. knows about that but there were four or five other opportunities where that was a threat of that, where our campus would shut down for the safety of our students. Yeah. So the level of anxiety that it created for them, I, w- I wasn't prepared to, you, you know, like I'm pretty, and, and I would think you probably say I'm pretty good with mindset and <laughs> yeah, definitely, no, definitely. tough, difficult issues. Right. But at that magnitude, no, I, I mean, just wasn't, pre- you know, I, I'm not, I don't know I'm, how you do prepare for that. You right. know what I mean? It's, you know, that's not what I do. So, right. You know, I really struggled with not having the skills needed for them mm. because I want to always, I want them to always be able to walk in my office. They couldn't, well, they couldn't even walk in my walk office, in your office. Right. Right? but I want them to always feel like they can ask me something and I can provide them with an answer or a resource. And at the time I just didn't have that at, at my disposal. Right um, now, the big, big thing that helped us is, you know, my assistant Lauren Shear and I, we actually came up, we actually took Maslow's hierarchy of needs Yep. and we, and we did a really deep dive on this on what kind of questions do we need to be asking our players to make sure that we're impacting our lives in the ways that are most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, for me, it's been a, it's, it's been a revolutionary document that I can take with me forever and, and I can share with people, you know, like, and, and we just weren't meeting, I, just the truth of it was, we weren't meeting the needs on the very foundational level of our players. Right. Right. And therefore, those inconsistencies are going to make your organization rocky. And so that was just a postseason assessment. After we looked at it, we just said, we're not doing any of these things. And now in a normal year, we would. In a normal year, we would be doing those things at a pretty high level. But that year, we we, we failed our kids. And we didn't do those things at the highest level. And I'm never going to make that mistake again. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, those are unprecedented challenges that, you know, <laughs> are, when you're, when you're preparing in your coaching career, I, you know, I, obviously a pandemic is not, you know, one of, uh, one of the things you prepare for. And, um, I, you know, you, your, you know, most famous quote is connection is our gift, right? A gift to the world. And, you know, you said that so many times at Siena and, um, you know, it's been ingrained in me in myself and so many others now, but, um, that took away that connection piece. Right. I mean, we can't, I mean, the thing I do best is is hug you, yeah. spend one on one time. <laughs> I mean, these are things that right. literally my schedule through the course of the day is I watch. You know, basically, I, I wake up in the morning, I watch two hours of recruit film, I, I go in the office, I leave all office hours open so my players and staff can come in and spend as much time as they need. We go to practice, and then I watch all my film at night so I can be ready for the day. But I literally leave the entire day open for our right. players. And then we get to COVID and it was like, I couldn't even spend all the time with the players. And they're on Zooms all day for class. Yeah. So the last thing they want to do is come in and get on another Zoom. Zoom, right, um, right. You know, it's just, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to hire someone during the pandemic, don't hire me. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, it's probably not going not gonna to be great. But I, I do think I've learned a ton from it and learned how we can do things bit better. For sure. But, I mean, I think there's an efficiency piece for sure, um, yeah. especially within organizations. I, don't, I mean, I think teams – really do need to be together in person a lot um, because I think it's so beneficial, but I mean, man, I get, I mean, there's so many emails and different things we could talk oh, about that like can be done on a zoom or, 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 or through an email instead of having an in-person meeting now. Yeah. And, you know, we were ending up with, you know, and, and the one thing when you really look at this, and I think this is really interesting. 
the team that 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 final I think I think the Sweet 16 had all teams west of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um and it was like teams that had never been to the Sweet 16 Elite A Final Four right. were making that. And I just think there's something to that. And none of them were Northeast schools, you know. Right. I mean, you know, being in an urban setting was very difficult because you, 100%. you know, like the city was shutting down at five, six o'clock every day. Right. So you're trying right. to figure out like sort of how to, and, and you don't choose an urban setting as a person, like my decision making. I'm not choosing an urban setting to be sitting in the dorm room all day. Right. right. You know, like in Mount St. Mary's is like green spaces and hills. And, yeah. you know, I, like I could go out and walk, I could shoot outside. I could yeah. do that. You know, that's kind of ingrained in what you choose. Right. In a, in a college right. When, when athletes were choosing GW, Oh, it's sweet. We get to be in DC. Right. Like they want to <laughs> go to the bar. They want to go to the right. club. They want to go to the, the Wizards game. They want right. to the Capitals games. Like they want to do all these different things. I mean, it's really about a lifestyle and that lifestyle was stripped to them. And, and yeah, so that, you know, sure. so now, you know, we get to practice and it almost be like the first 30 minutes, almost be like recess because <laughs> they've been in these four walls, these four concrete walls all day yep. and not much of a chance to get out. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to learn a lot more. Actually, there's a great book called, um, by Ethan Cross. Uh, he's actually, he'll be a, he's a guest on our podcast. He wrote a book called Chatter. And it's a great book. I encourage you to read it. Yeah, definitely will. But he talks a lot about green spaces and mm-hmm. and how important that is. And then yeah, I recognized it's like a light bulb went off. I was like, we weren't providing our players any kind of green spaces. No green spaces. <laughs> there was no green spaces. Yeah. And that is important for the human dynamic to right. be able to release anxiety and to be able to, to be able to concentrate when the moment's big. What's up? It's your host, Tom Smalley. You're listening to the Smalls Talk Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe. Have you ever felt any any burnout as a as a coach? Um, you know, from obviously, I mean, the reality is we can't pour from an empty cup. Like coaches yeah. are humans too. And I talk about this with a lot of coaches that, that come on the podcast is, is how do you prevent burnout? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, face that burnout? And, and ident- sometimes, sometimes people need help even identifying it because they don't realize it. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm passionate about right. our guys. Um, like, you know, we could lose a game. I'll take all the hits from the media, anyone right. else. Like, you know, there are, my players never had to worry about that. No, yeah, I'll take all those hits. Give me, give me all of them, you know? But I really am passionate about our players and passionate about them improving and passionate about them learning. And that passion comes from a place that's like, I've got to have a really full cup mm-hmm. to give as much. And um, and, I, and that's really important. I mean, I wouldn't say that I've reached like a burnout, but I get I can get pretty low during the year. Usually about two times during the course of the year, I can get pretty low. Yeah. GW, was a, it, was a, it, was, it was maybe a little more than that just because the nature of the politics behind everything we're trying 100%. to do, you know? Yeah. And, and so I'm still working to identify kind of what happens in those moments, you know, like right. I'm like alter, you know, for people out there, if you're going to look me up, he goes, man, this guy is always super positive. Uh, generally I'm actually pretty positive. I mean, yeah, I, you know, definitely. I, I'm a pretty positive person, but there's definitely moments where, you know, like anybody else, you're like, man, I don't know if this is going to happen. And you, and I want, I really want that for our players. You know, like I don't really worry about my record hardly at all, which is probably right. scary. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I just worry about like, can we help these guys? Figure right. It but out? I mean, if you're doing that, then your record's going to, Right, it's, it's going to work. It's going to it's going to work itself out exactly. If you're putting your, your the care in your players and your program, then that care is going to go is going to push that record. You yeah. know, forward. and and I'm caring like I'm I'm like I always say I'm in the fight with you. You, know, you right. look over the sidelines, I'm sweating, I'm down in defensive stands. I'm the same way in practice. Like I'm in the fight with you, and yeah. I enjoy being in the fight alongside. No, I used to say uh, that stuff in the huddle and during timeouts. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm here with you. You know what I mean? It's it's so true. You know. 
And I love that. And, and so I wouldn't say that I've reached like burnout, but I definitely have some points of low of where I get low. And, and, and right now I'm trying to build a, one of the biggest things I'm doing right now, actually smalls is trying to build an, an off the court team. Yeah. Uh, people that I can talk to and that can give me advice or that right. I can bounce things off of that can allow me to go be at my very best so I can stay in the right mindset as long as I need to be in for our team to be at its best. Yeah, for sure. No, it's so, it's so important. And uh, like you said, I mean, you have to have a full cup to give the amount that you give to, to a program. And, and because let's be honest, like you can't have fast coaching. I mean, you can, but you won't be successful. Right. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. Like, even if I have one individual that I'm working with in here, it, it might not be a team, but if I don't give everything I have to that session, they're not going to get any better. Right. Yeah. It's just, like, I don't, it's just, I don't think, this is a, I don't know if this is a good quality or not, but my goal used to be to try to be exhausted at the end of the day <laughs> to just, when I put my head on that pillow to know that I gave everything, everything I had right. and that I need to recharge right? because I've given everything I had on that day. And I've, and that's always been a goal of mine. You know, like if I work out, like I'm trying to work myself to exhaustion, you know, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, uh, you but, know, you know I, just get I, to that I, point where it's like, I don't know if I have, I, I don't have anything left for the day. Right. And if I, and if I do that every single day, you know, our team's going to be better and, and I'll, I'll always find a way to be rested when my head hits that pillow yeah, for sure. and be recharging again. Two athletes and disclaimer, um, working out <laughs> to exhaustion is not always the answer. Yeah. It's not, it's not it's, I shouldn't say exhaustion, but it's like to that point where you're like, all right. I can't push any further. For sure. No, I, I, I know what you mean. And obviously it's different, you know, for you. And, um, but I, I totally get what you mean. And especially the effort with, with the, with the, the, with the guys that you were working with. I mean, it's, how do you measure, you know, how do you measure success early on in your career? How'd you measure it? You know, when you were at Siena GW and how are you measuring it right now? And and how do you want to measure it for the future? Well, success of your coach is, did you get the most out of the people in that locker room? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you got a 20 win team and you win 15 games. You didn't, you didn't get the most out of the people in that locker room. Sometimes right. you got a 10 win team and you win 18, you know? And, and so you got the most out of those. That's how I judge it. Um, I never put a number on it. And, you know, I never right. say like, Oh, you know, we've got to get the 22 wins. We've got to win half our non-conference games. And, you know, we kind of put those out there on our, you know, our coaches thing just to have some check marks. But right. you know, to me, it's just about like the, every team's journey is different every season. And so it's really about guiding that journey. Um, mm. You know, when I talk about a team, you know, it's like we're taking a cross country journey and there's no, there's no roads, you know? Right. And, and so, you know, you need a lawyer, you need a surveyor, you need a doctor, you, know, you need all these different things to make it across. You need a guide, right? Um, you know, you need all these different things. And, and then you need all these different personality traits between those people. You need someone that can provide humor when it's needed. You need someone that can provide truth when it's needed. So, you know, I always talk about that, that kind of journey across the country. Because you're going to reach a point where you're going to need someone to build a bridge. Right. You're going to reach a point where you're going to need a boat. You know, mm-hmm. like you're going to reach a point where someone's going to get sick. You're going to need a doctor. Right. And if you don't have all these things at your disposal, then it's going to be really hard to finish the end of the journey. And and so my point is, that's how you got to measure success. Now, you can't measure it based off of how fast you got there sometimes. It's just not always indicative or or not even truthful. But did we get the most out of the group? And did we do it in an efficient way? Did the people, did the people within the organization grow to a level that allows them to sustain something? You right. know, coaching is so dangerous because we can easily train habits that aren't sustainable, mm. that can provide immediate success, but then will fail them in the future. Right. Um, right. I, you know, and, and, and there's a balance because right. we do have a game on Thursday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. And so knowing when to let's push our group towards the Thursday win 
and knowing that it might hurt Saturday and knowing when to say, let's hold the course and just keep improving. You know, that's something that you kind of learn over time. I tend to lead to lean, lean towards trying to help the group grow naturally and organically with mm-hmm. the direction that we give them. I mean, you know, we have, we do the workbooks, we bring in, we, we have books we read and right, you know, right. we really share. I mean, if you're really trying to grow the human spirit, Smalls, it's not going to grow on your time. Mm-hmm. It grows on their time. Right. So can you be patient enough and hold your standard enough that when that moment presents itself, all these things come together and it goes on and it's something really special. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, human nature is, is in, especially in 2022 is instant gratification. Um, you know, I, I think social media and, and everything's at our fingertips. Right. And I think, um, we you know one lesson I try to teach my athletes here is that like, I always compare training, you know, especially at, in the high in the high school realm, you know, to, if you ever eat brisket, it's slow cooking, right? Like yeah. it's a slow cooking process to get the best brisket. Right. And that process, you have to fall in love with that process and be, um, more in love with that process than just the outcome. Yeah. And, and I think learning, I spoke to a high school team last night, you know, learning how to show up mentally and physically mm. and being ready to love doing the work mm. and doing the work. You know, that's one thing for me as a head coach, is I love doing the work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of head coaches that. that love just showing up on game day, or they love showing up for practice, right? Or, or just showing up for recruiting. I love all of it. You know, yeah. I mean, my guy's having a tough time in class. I love having to to connect with him on what he can do better in class. If a guy's struggling in conditioning, I love trying to like I love the hard stuff about it that most coaches don't love. Yeah, and, for sure. And and I and I think that's why I've been able to have such a successful career because I, I love it all. Yeah, you and I'm not you, trying to you run do away hard from things. It. You show up for it, and and it builds it builds that buy-in, it builds that trust. Yeah, I'm not trying to hide from the negative components of the gig, right? You know, right. You, you know, you got to radically accept the things that that are there, and just attack them attack them accordingly. Yeah. Speed round real quick. Um, five books that you recommend reading. Top Ooh, five. Good one. It might selfishly be more for me than, than for everybody else. <laughs> Principles by Ray Dalio. Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay. It's a very long book. It will take a long time. <laughs> um, right now I'm on Chatter from Ethan Cross. Yep. I thought that that was excellent. Um, trying to think here. I don't want to push you the wrong way. I got all these books behind me and I've actually read all of them. Uh, Carol Dweck's Mindset. I think it's an excellent book. I basically give that to families um, because I feel like when I, when I, when someone had like my players, when you have a child, I'm going to send you that book. Right? <laughs> just like, just so you know, um, I think that's really important. Um, I love John Gordon books. Yeah. I think they're a great way. I think they're a great foundational start for. Right. Young I athletes. remember you using the uh, energy bus and a, to- yeah. a ton of other ones um, with, with that, with the, yeah. with Sienna guys. And I think they're not like extensive reads where it's like, you know, really deep, but like it, it connects people really well. Yeah. And I, and I think his books in general, because they do that, I think that's pretty valuable. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. you're working with young athletes, um, when you're working with young athletes, it's important to meet them where they are. And, and so I would say that um, I would also say kitchen confidential um, by Anthony Bourdain. I thought that was one of the, I don't usually read uh, books for enjoyment, but that was one yeah. of the best books I've read my, just I, for enjoyment. My brother actually mentioned that book the other day. Oh, it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's actually the best. 
It's actually the best. And then I'll throw in one more. I would say uh, Win Forever by, by uh, Pete Carroll and mm. The Four Agreements. Oh, uh, four, oh I, yeah, I've read The Four Agreements. That's a good, that's oh, a good one. I mean, The Four yeah. Agreements really actually changed my life in my like, perspective. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, for and sure. So, I mean, like, I'm an active reader, so I have to kind of go to the list because I've got so many there. Right. But, no, no you know, myself I, myself included. I think I'm uh, – I think I read more than I, than I listen to. I mean, I, I listen to your podcast. I listen to uh, a couple others regularly, but um, I think I just, I think because I'm able to highlight things with reading and just really like, like just mark yeah. things up. I think it just, that helps engage my brain more. And I yeah. just, it sticks with me more. I started this process where I'll listen to a book. If I like it, I buy it. Smart. And I'll start highlighting. Like I'll know in yeah. the first chapter, I'm gonna like this book. And then I'll, I'll buy the book and I'll start highlighting it. I 100%. spend a lot of time on the road or, you know, walking, so I want to try to maximize that time. So those, yeah. the, you know, I enjoy listening to those. And, um, you know, I, it, it's funny. I mean, now doing the podcast thing, I'm getting a chance to bring authors onto the podcast song yeah, and connect awesome. with them and ask some questions that I had from the book that maybe they didn't answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's again, you know, taking every experience in life and, and finding the positives and I think is really important. It's really served me well in life and, and learning and reading, you know, giving the ability to be able to do that. For sure. And I think it'll, it'll continue, continue to serve you well. Um, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and your honesty is and transparency about your adversity and then about your success is, um, you know, second to none. And I, you know, always appreciate you and our relationship and, I think you're going to add a lot of value to our listeners. I know we we never talked about you though. <laughs> no, this we, is about you, brother. <laughs> we didn't talk about you and like your progression as a person, as a leader. And, this is uh, keep and it about that. the. Uh, I keep it about the the guests always. <laughs> well, I appreciate having me on. Anyone that's that's interested in hearing more, uh, just join me on on last call with Jamie and Christian. Um, it, it's Absolutely, really and I'll well, put I'll put it in the description of the of the episode and and add your socials too, so they can kind of um, follow your journey and. I can't wait to see where it takes you. Oh man, it's going to be so much fun, man. Like yeah. again, what a transformative time in my life to have a chance to look at all the good things and enjoy them for a little bit and look at all the things we can get better at. Um, I'm really thankful for the time that I have and thankful for you and your, your impression on me and in this lifetime, you've been amazing for me, man. I love you. Love you too, brother.